Welcome to History, Culture, and Trauma with Ingrid Cochran. Over the next hour, Ingrid and guests will discuss how historical trauma impacts the human experience and how we can move towards collective healing. Now, here is your host, Ingrid Cochran. All right. Well, as you could probably hear by the first tone of my voice, this isn't actually Ingrid, but good news is is this is the co-host, Matthew Portel the Director of Education and Outreach at Paces Connection. Um, Ingrid uh, needed to step off and and take care of herself, which we always um, appreciate at Paces Connection. When one needs to take care of themselves, we highly encourage it, Um, which means that you haven't heard. We've kind of been on and off as host and co-host, but here shortly we will both be back together as host and co-host shortly uh, in the coming weeks. But um, this today's episode, we're really I'm really excited about. It. I know Ingrid is too, for a variety of reasons. Um, one, you get to meet one of our new uh, members at Paces Connection. But before we get uh, into introducing her, uh, I, I want to give a little bit of background of how uh, our guest came about, and I want to I want to speak from it um, from our CEO's perspective, and that's Ingrid and her idea of um, our program that's called Creating Resilient Communities. I'm not gonna give you all of the details because I don't wanna steal the thunder uh, from our newest member at PACES, but um, Ingrid really wanted us to dig in as an organization and look at the accessibility of programs and supports that we provide. Um, And the Creating Resilient Communities, the CRC is that. And I think what troubled many of us is that so many programs in this work is about doing things to communities, not joining and doing things next to communities based off of what they identify as their needs and outcomes. And so the CRC really is about um, building inside supports of communities uh, through those in the communities in which they reside. And I don't just mean the physical neighborhoods. I mean, whatever that is, if it's a community in your job, if it's a community in your organization, if it's a community in your state, if it's a community where you live, but we're going to get more into that. So without any further ado, I cannot wait for you all to meet the newest member of Paces Connection, our director of a create of creating resilient communities, Kashana Evans. How are you? Welcome. Tell, 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 I've learned a lot about you in the last couple of weeks, but tell our listeners a little bit about you. I am so excited. So a great big hello to the listeners. Um, I am rounding week five at Paces Connection, and we have, as a team, been sort of hitting the ground running while also um, operationalizing a healthy pace. <laughs> we are so pumped and excited about the Creating Resilient Communities accelerator program uh, where folks can get their uh, certification in this really precious work we do. So for those who don't know me, my name is Kashana Evans. Actually, my name is Kashana Amani Evans, and my middle name is Amani, which is uh, freedom and peace in Swahili. Uh, So I am so excited to be here. did that answer your question? I feel like I can go off, you know, just down a rabbit hole. <laughs> I want to. Well, really... 
Rabbit holes aren't bad, Kashana. And here, this is what we do on the podcast is we we really do um, jump in. But no, that's good. And, and we'll learn more about you over time. And please, by all means, if you haven't gone to our, if you're not a member of Pace's Connection, check out Kashana's blog because she really did tell a lot about her. And we're going to get into some of that. Um, but the first question, really, Kashana, that I want to ask, and we're going to dig deeper into you is what we ask mo- almost every one of our guests. And that is, tell us about the first experience that you had when you learned about the ACE study. What was it like? What what thoughts did you have? Just where were you um, in that space when you learned about ACEs? You know, um, I want to say the seed was planted when I read um, Dr. Joy DeGray Leary's Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome such a powerful book, but I, it it still wasn't, the seed hadn't been all the way planted in terms of, is that something I'm allowed to embrace and be a part of, or is that just something for academics over there? Um, And it wasn't until about maybe five, six years ago, I worked with an organization uh, that provided a program called Trauma-Informed Outreach. The organization was the Connection Coalition a grassroots coalition that takes yoga into um, communities that can really benefit from circling up and becoming um, a little bit more centered in their own journey uh, and feeling supported in that journey. So uh, that was uh, Terry Cooper Space. She is, I'm such a fan. So Terry, if you are listening, moi, moi. <laughs> um, and it was, you know, when I took Terry, uh, Terry and her team there's an amazing team of folks that uh, created their curriculum for trauma-informed outreach that was really created to make sure people were aware of ACEs. And so um, if you'd never been to a Southeast Asian community, if you'd never been to an African-American Black community or um, a, Lat- a Latine um, Spanish community, that you would be open, you would be present, and you would be in a space of being trauma-informed that is in a space of respect um, and aligned with those communities. So the, the very, you know, the thing that was super upfront that was really moving and I do have a soft spot for the connection coalition that I was able to be a part of that. It was like the first time that there wasn't something that precious within my own life purpose where I didn't feel othered. I literally, I probably was acting like I was in Disneyland at the training. I'm like, oh my gosh, you can see me and I can see you. I matter. I can be a part of this. I mean, I was just so jazzed, which really can kind of, it was a polar opposite of maybe other other things I've felt along the way as I've tried to kind of find my way to thrive and uh, be in alignment with my own life purpose. I mean, that 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 makes me think, right, is that we've had conversations in even prior to this podcast with Ingrid, where unfortunately trauma is a commonality that sometimes pushes us apart instead of bringing us together. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and what you, you said so much there, but one thing that I heard you deeply uh, gravitate towards was access, right? How important it was for you to be seen, heard and validated within the context of, of that program that you were in. So tell tell us what you think, or how do you see the importance of access, especially through the work uh, that we're doing within the CRC at Paces? How do you see that um, as an important part of the work that we do? 
Uh, this is this question I love, Matthew. Um, so I have a few thoughts on this. Uh, the Creating Resilient Communities Accelerator Program is something that folks can be certified in. This to me solves an incredible uh, uh, issue with access. Um, also things like othering or when sort of science and data in certain circles maybe there's barriers to that or maybe even weaponized um, in a worst case scenario. So I do believe that um, having something that is free and thanks to the generosity of uh, Genentech sponsor, also grants and partnerships, people, whether you're in the workplace, whether you're home, whether you're starting a grassroots um, uh, initiative that surrounds trauma-informed awareness and resilience building, when access is no longer a barrier, you can actually get to the real work. And a lot of times folks may think, oh, great, it's cerebral. I'll get the certification. It's going to look really great on my LinkedIn. And I get to tell all of my friends who have different lived experience, look at me, I'm doing the work. But the real, real gift about access is that it really opens the door so we can start to build meaningful relationships, including rebuilding meaningful relationships, meaning I don't have any friends that uh, look like you're, you, uh, you and your friends and family. I don't have any groups that I'm socializing with that are from this part of the world. When we're able to actually do the relationship building, that access takes on a whole other presence. Well, and we've, we've talked about it deeply on this podcast. And just to bring up Tima Okun's work, about the impact of white supremacy in so many aspects of of our workplaces of our community cultures there's so much that is impacted by the the foundations of white supremacy in our country right and i think what you just said play a major role on that because even in some of the the non-white communities right there's there's still a lens that can be there that culturally we have so embedded that um, prov provides this idea that you have to fit a certain mold in order to be part of the conversation. And to me, that is exactly what we're trying to disprove. There isn't, you don't have to have a degree. You don't have to have um, uh, a professional job to impact this work substantially. Right. And so, you know, I, I think as we go through this conversation, that's going to be a highlight of what Paces continues to push is we want voices. We want people who continue to do this work in the communities, with the communities, for the communities. Um, not Matthew's going to come in the community and do the work with you, or Kashan is going to come into the work and in, in community and do the work with you. But what we want to do is bring this opportunity to anyone to have an impact on their own community. So, you know, what do you, what we, what we've done in the past doesn't work until we do something about it. Right. We continue to say that didn't work or what I was talking about with Timo Kuhn's, the impact of white supremacy, you know, we can continue to talk about that, but what do you see the CRC being as an opportunity to balance kind of this idea of being overtrained and under action to for people to, that want to be a part like how do you see it being a role 
in, in any individual's idea of saying, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do, or I don't have a degree. How do I, how do I get involved in the work? Uh, so again, you know, I'm a lover of a good question prompt. So audiences that heard the last podcast I was on, um, history, trauma, culture, probably remember me praising some of the questions that Ingrid, uh, <laughs> asked, um, so I do love this. You know, there is this idea behind the ways that we learn, right? We have different um, different approaches to educating uh, young people. And one of those ways is to be very regimented with data, information, um, you know, memorizing things by rote, et cetera. But this is something that is about habit building, um, creating resilient communities, um, meaning, you know, developing trauma-informed awareness, understanding, uh, you know, pace of science, um, and resilience building, and not just at home, not just uh, casually, but really to focus on it in order to improve the environments that we're in, that connect us to other um, communities, other people, whether they are like us or not. So it, to me, it is very, very important to understand it's a lifestyle that is something that may happen on a day-to-day -day basis. Some days you may feel those uh, things that you discover are heartwarming. Other times we discover friction, but when we have the right relationships, we are able to bounce ideas off of each other, circle back around after we sleep on it a little bit, because friction can be really um, intense sometimes. But when you have relationships, they're an opportunity. So it's almost as if, you know, this Creating Resilient Communities Accelerator, Accelerator Program and the PACES movement um, overall is helping people switch the mindset so you can have um, the tools without simply living in the mind, right? Um, so for the members who don't know uh, me, my background, I've studied various modalities of well-being. And those, you know, anything from non uh, tr you know, non-plant medicine, shamanism, to voice dialogue, to Reiki, and so many things in between. But a lot of these things, due to the immersive environments and due to the sort of sacred, uh, you know, sort of bubble we would be able to learn and discover um, these unique uh, processes in, really helped me understand if it lives in your mind, it's got to also live in your second mind, which is your heart. No, that's not science. <laughs> that's the way that I think of it. And for those of us who, um, you know, have those beliefs, our entire body is that vehicle for transformation. So it's really, it's not just a book to check off the list because we're still in our fourth grade mindset and we're going to get A plus on the test. The A plus is when we can really be present with people during very meaningful moments and transform together because we're each doing our work. We're not centering old narratives and we are really um, taking that risk together. Well, and, and I think to what you said, I'm going to go back to some of the things that you said before you talking about, you know, data and numbers and science and sticking to this very narrow narrative and, without relationships, that is just what it is, right? It's just this narrow narr narrative.
because we know, we all know that this work is relational. We know that it's done in not just individual relationships, community relationships, and relationships as a whole. And that is that is actually science, right? We know that. We know that even ourselves, we're connected from human to human. We are emotionally connected or emotionally disconnected. I know that when I was an educator and a teacher, if I as the adult was dysregulated, it would dysregulate the whole classroom. If I stood as a firm regulated adult, I knew that had a calming impact on the classroom. And those same interactions happen every single day with people in every situation in every place and space. And I think what I heard you say was when you embody this work, it becomes part of you. And I agree that I agree with that 100%. I tell people all the time that trauma-informed work, healing-focused work, healing-centered work isn't something you actually do. It's actually your operating system. It's who you are. It's the iOS, the Android of your internal self of this is what we do, not something we do. And that's really hard. And I think it's, for me, in my own journey, it was grounded in the science, right? But even when we look at the science, even if we look at the ACE study, we know that that was done in the late 90s on a very narrow demographic, predominantly white, middle-class, middle-aged demographic. It was still just these numbers. And now that we've expanded, now there's this expanded ACE research looking at communities and historical trauma, intergenerational transmission. It opens up this body of work to go, wow, we've gone through a lot. And wow, we've come so far, but yet we have so much further to go. And I think what you were talking about earlier too is is this is also grounded in truth telling, right? While we can also heal through the processes that have occurred over whether it's our lifetime or the generations that happened before us, because we now know through, through much work that that intergenerational transmission exists, that the epigenetics of what happened to my ancestors four generations before impact me today. We know all of this, but it's not just talking about it, right? And I'm going to go back to the CRC because I think that really, this is the entry point for a lot of people. I wouldn't say that most people know about cases, positive and adverse childhood experiences. But what we do want, we want as many people to know about PACES. PACES science, of course, PACES uh, connection, the organization as well, but really PACES. So when we talk about the CRC, what, what, do you, what do you want people to know that they're going to get access to when they say, hey, you know, I want to I do this, this Creating Resilient Community um, Accelerator program, and what do I get from it? What am I going to experience in it? Um, do I have to know anything before I come in? And ultimately, that the idea that there is a certification, right? And that's going to support a lot of that feeling to be able to show up and say, I'm part of this work and this is why. So tell a little bit more about that, what you see that vision to be. So um, I just had a conversation recently about this. Uh, so for the audience members who um, are not yet a member of PACES Connection, the membership is free. And also the Creating Resilient Communities Accelerator Program is also uh, free. But I think the most important thing to understand, there's, there's two tidbits here. 
Number one, for those leaders in the workspace, you may be working for an organization of 1,000 and you say to yourself, oh, but like our 200, our pod of 200 um, managers really need something special this season. This uh, movement uh, and starting with the Creating Resilient Communities Accelerator is a way to circle up um, through our platform. And uh, you can learn more about that in the introduction to Paces Connection. That is the only prerequisite um, for joining the uh, our acceleration program, uh, our accelerator program. But the other thing that I want to say, I'm going to speak to those who are not cerebral for a moment, who are not overly identified in academia and just the data and the numbers for, for folks listening that are heart centered. This is a chance to get a perspective on your journey uh, as in social justice, um, to get perspective on and tell and share your story, right? So I, I had some, I just had a conversation with um, my friend Dillis and we talked about storytelling and we very much have in common that a lot of cultures don't sort of exclusively live in their mind um, to get the great grades and go to the great colleges and, and do all those things. But we share stories because they're healing. We share them out of empathy because we care about each other. And it's a deep way to bond and connect that is fantastic. Um, so this to me is, an access point. So while those of you who are listening or maybe um, you, you picked this up along the way or you're revisiting Creating Resilient Communities Accelerator because it is self-paced, what's really, really precious is to understand this is an access point based on wherever you are starting. So if you've just picked it up again, it's right from there. If you sort of came last year and you took half of the courses during uh, our pilot, this is a perfect opportunity to circle up. So personally, I don't just live in the cerebral space. I'm a, I identify as a story. I mean, aside from Black African-American woman, I identify as a storyteller. I unite people through stories and I delight in if someone says, hey, can you just write an article? I mean, I want to take the next 10 days and meditate on it because <laughs> that's how fun it is. But um, just re be reminded for those that are in so many different communities. The other precious thing about the creating resilience, um, creating resilient communities. I'm tongue twisted, y'all. <laughs> I am. I am live to you today um, from my brother's man cave in Georgia, and I'm just off a flight. My ears are still popping. So thanks for your patience there. But this is going to continue to be really precious for people who have sacred um, communities. So I'll give an example. Uh, there's an incredible uh, author. She's also a founder. Um, her name is Thin Mori. And Thin Mori is um, a social activist and speaks out about the caste system, which is really um, very similar to our sort of Jim Crow uh, sort of policies, whether they're obvious or not, they, they're embedded. And she's really working to unite um, India to move beyond uh, some of those practices. And so I follow, I, I loved her book, but 
for different groups that may want to circle up and that need a safe space. You're not going to be sharing your your information on Facebook. You're not going to be doing it on LinkedIn. But if you do have a community, come on over to Paces Connection and you can have, um, you know, your own private huddle and click the settings as needed. You know, there are a lot of communities that are trying to speak out, anti-racism, educators, and folks are feeling very vulnerable. We're in a volatile time. So when you are starting this work, it is important to start um, with your longevity in mind, including self-care, care for your group, care for your organization, um, and ability to capture and collect data when you are circling up in the forum, uh, et cetera. So long story long, Matthew, you got me started. I'm going to blame you for that one. Hey, you're the guest, so you're supposed to talk the most. This is good. This is how it's supposed to work. And and you know, I I, I want to also I, I've, I was listening to so much of what you were saying, and I think how I've connected to this work is more of my lived experience. It's certainly not my professional experience, right? And when I began, I thought trauma was something when I started this work that happened to other people. And I was in this work for a few years before I really honestly began to reflect on myself and think not just what's happened to me, but what have I might have done to others, right? And that to me was where the rubber hit the road when I began to have to self-evaluate, not just what happened to me, but what have I perpetuated? And I want, I want people, I want listeners to just, just know the authentic of this is that that took me through a grief process that I wasn't quite ready for, that I had to begin to grieve as a educator, the things that I did to kids and not with kids, things I was doing to kids in my classroom, in my school that I was connected to. It made me go through a grieving process. And then as I learned more and more, I'm an educator. I'm not a neuroscientist. I'm not a medical doctor. I'm an educator. I came to this work in an authentic place of, oh my goodness, I can't believe that I'm just now learning this. And I think so many people get to that space. And I wish, Kashana, I had a space that I could have come to. You know, you heard the other day on our meeting, I joined Paces Connection in 2017. I started this work in 2015. And I didn't have a space. And so I grappled with a lot of these ideas on my own where creating resilient communities and Paces Connection is a space where people can process a lot of this information, learn new information, and teach through their own experience those of us who are in these sessions. Because I I, I do the I do a session myself, and I'll be honest, Kashana, I learn more from the people in the session than they probably do for me. Because it really is like, talk about your experience in this. And wow, it is so powerful. Well, I mean, I told you this was going to fly by. You and I, anytime we talk, we meet one, one hour a week, and <laughs> it just flies by. So it's this true. is another <laughs> hour of people get to listen to our conversations, which I love. But when we get back from the break, we will talk a little bit more about um, how we can reconnect with the larger ecosystems that we play and work with in our in our work and life, right? I always grapple with this idea of work-life balance, and really it's all life. It's all part of what we do. Um, 
but we'll get to that and so much more when we when we come back from the break so hey don't 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 just disconnect come back in about another minute and a half we'll see you then Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. In this polarizing age of misinformation, it is critical to examine the lessons of the past on history, culture, and trauma. Ingrid Cochran, CEO of Paces Connection, and her guests will explore historical trauma and outline how our collective past shades our perception of today's world and our shared experiences. In this podcast, we will examine the impact of past atrocious cultural events and the impact of the systemic trauma of racism and poverty on the human experience. Ingrid and her guest will also outline what is needed for our collective healing. Please join us for History, Culture, and Trauma, Thursdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Your life. Your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. You're listening to History, Culture, and Trauma with Ingrid Cochran. If you have questions for Ingrid or her guests or want to share your story, join us on the show at 866-472-5791. That's 866-472-5791. Now, back to the show. Here again is Ingrid Cochran. Well, not exactly. And I aspire to be more like Ingrid every day. Maybe that needs to be a shirt that I that I get printed. Um, I want to be more like Ingrid every day because her brilliance, it's, it's just remarkable to me. But this is Matthew Portel, her co-host. Um, uh, and in the last, uh, the last before the break, um, I have had the pleasure of talking to Kashana Evans um, about so much. Uh, but one thing we didn't really get into that I want to before we get into more um more topics on the growing resilient communities, if we even get there. And and I kind of touched a little bit on it, Kashana, before the break. And that is our why. Like, because you have so many gifts and talents that we've already learned in five weeks. Why this work? Why is this where you're putting your remarkable energy, your 
your spirit into because it's when you I can tell when you put yourself into something, you're putting all of you into it, your heart, your mind, your soul. So where does your why? How did how did it get built? Where does it come from? Um, I, I love the question about why. Uh, and this is something that I keep as rhetoric, Matthew. Um, and thank you for shouting out gifts. Oh, compliments will get you everywhere. <laughs> um, so, you know, on a little bit more of a serious note, this is Childhood uh, Child Abuse Awareness Month. And my why is really um, deeply rooted in very complicated early circumstances where I witnessed and experienced um, abuse, assault, cruelty, and violence. Uh, this was a time that was pretty complicated for me as a, you know, this was around the time I was in fourth grade, other times in life, but one specific time that uh, that is really fresh on my mind such a pivotal time to be in Catholic school by day, you know, because when you live in the suburbs, I'm from Southern California. So that's where you have to have great handwriting and this is the best school nearby. So we're going to have to make these things work and that type of thing. Um, so going to be in that sort of very white European American religious setting uh, and then going to um, a family in crisis behind closed doors uh, where a non-family member had extreme issues with rage, violence, uh, and and that was a time that um, the witnessing part is so much about my why. Now, my healing journey has been about my own experience um, and forgiving myself for you know when you're a kid, you're you're not in control of those things. But I think my real why for arriving at paces is that. I feel like although my sister lived until she was in her early 40s, I lost her so long ago, just based on that friction and that disruption. We couldn't navigate that violence. And I'm here because I just can't stop thinking about how many fantastic, wonderful people of all ages didn't get the memo that it was your environment all along. It wasn't you. You can do something about it. And so, Matthew, when you and I were sort of weighing in on lived experience, that's that's where I live a thousand percent of the time when it comes to things like pace of science. There is incredible data. And for the for the audience uh, and listeners, Pace's connection is the largest. Now, Matthew, fact check me on this. Pace's connection is the largest collection of uh, data and research on ACEs in our nation. Is that correct? That is my, our, our resources. I, I'm, I, I don't want to say 100%, but that is my perception as well. So yes, absolutely. And, you know, and this is very exciting. Uh, why? Because we're in an era now, thanks to, um, you know, social justice leaders starting Black Lives Matter um, Tarana Burke starting Me Too. We're in a space where those those quiet ones, those less heard voices, which by the way are the global majority, we're actually not a minority, we are a global majority. We're having a sort of 
beautiful restoration somehow. Uh, so we are able to really be in circle with one another and utilize pace of science data, all the um, important information to be with each other and build our relationships. And you said the magic word, Matthew, to grieve. And sometimes we're not grieving. Sometimes we're cracking jokes and we're channeling our inner uh, Robin Williams, who never is shy for the expletives. <laughs> he was one of my one of my favorite folks for just normalizing radical expression in order to heal, in order to be present, to be seen, to be heard, but also to see and hear without a middleman. As much as I love my, you know. Um, white European American counterparts. I love ya. We don't always need a middleman and there's other superhero strength. So we can get into that. Yeah. And I think too, that, I mean, it's no secret. I'm a white male with a beard and I drive a truck and live in Tennessee. I fit a lot of stereotypes. Right. But I also will say I've seen this need for affirmations coming from people who look like me not because the other person needs it or it's authentic. It's because people that look and operate look like me and operate in my maybe a completely different mindset, similar. I don't know, right? This is part of our own journeys. It's more about us feeling better that we've given someone things, right? And, and I, when you, when you went back to your childhood, Kishana, and I know we've talked about this minutely before, but I grew up in an evangelical home, right? Where I was taught women were subservient to men. I was taught that unequally yoked meant in, interracial relationships were not okay. I wasn't born in the 40s. I wasn't born in the 50s. I wasn't born in the 60s. This is something that it, people act like it's foreign. It's not that far removed from us, right? And in that home, uh, my evangelical home, I I had to navigate um, so much shame and blame in my life that I carried it with me in my late teens, early twenties. I I I sought out unhealthy pathways to my own um, to my own way of coping, coping strategies that, by all accounts, I really probably shouldn't even be here. And it was all rooted in this idea of shame and never being good enough and um, always being tainted. It doesn't matter what you do, um, that there's always going, you're always going to be, uh, you're always going to be broken and ruined, right? And, and I think about that in my experience. And then I step back in my, as I went to Tennessee State University and HBCU as a white male. And I was a, I was one of only one or two white students in classes. And so much of that, that, that lens that I operated on began to, to crumble because I was hearing perspective. I was hearing, I was hearing experiences and so much of what I had taught, right. Taught me that I had something other people didn't. And that I was better than because, and I think what you were uh, what you were talking about earlier in that relationship piece. It wasn't until I had relationships with people, authentic, genuine, 
human connection where I could go, wait a minute, what I was told doesn't make sense, right? And because I'm a right fighter, sometimes I would fight back against things that I was taught in ways that might not come across as being normal, um, but sometimes that's needed, right? Lifting your voice to the point that breaks decorum. If you've watched anything in the recent weeks of what's happened in Tennessee, where two remarkable lawmakers were expelled from the House of Representatives because they broke decorum. Just yesterday or today, um, a trans representative was, was silenced because they broke decorum. These type of ideas of normalcy are built in places and ways that we know were established for supremacy, right? And so as I began to learn so much about how I was raised, the ideals that I was raised on, the ideals of the country and the way it was established, the more I realized, wow, this is a long journey and that all of us are still on it. So when you talked about come where you are, come into this work wherever you are, I say 100% because none of us have it all figured out. We're all just trying to grapple with it together. You know, I really love that, Matthew. And, you know, I'll also say the other part of my why is that, um, we have very, very significant issues around the topic of consent. Um, these are distortions that are very rooted in white supremacy that have been passed down historically. But I want to speak a little bit personally, because oftentimes, you know, for, for those listening in, you know, prior to my time at, at Paces, you know, I was in the fashion, film, television and entertainment industry. Then I sort of, you know, studied well-being to kind of unplug from it all and, you know, started focusing on public relations, communications and branding. And then voila, I'm a Jane of all trades <laughs> and landing as the uh, director of creating resilient communities here at Paces. But I think something interesting happens that and I, I would really want to shout this out because it is um, Child Abuse Awareness Month. People may see me all dolled up. They might see glamorous photos from what feels like another lifetime. And, oh, wow, you look so glamorous. Or you walk in a room in this red dress. And we're kind of in that entertainment, consumption, fun mindset, right? But the reality is there are so many celebrities that are have had their own ACEs experience, whether it's adverse childhood experiences or other ways that they've encountered trauma. And so I do want to say, it's not an outside in decision that others can make for you. This month, an awareness of what can happen when um, mental health becomes an issue and it's hidden, there's no access to better support. Uh, in my case, um, you know, my mom married a police officer and it's, you know, the topic of the day is feral policing. Right. Not only are, you know, a, a large number um, of police officers in the field sort of making choices based on their own triggers, based on their own internal sense of law and have the protections to say, I didn't mean it. It was an accident. In my case, I think a part of my why and a, and a friend of mine 
I'm not shouting her out in a bad way. I love her to bits. So we were having a conversation about those early experiences. And she said, you must have done something to deserve it. And I had to take a pause. Um, and it was a really powerful moment for me to speak through tons of years of therapy by that time, tons of wellness that I've taken, thank goodness. Um, I described to her that I had bruises and welts from my neck down to the bottom of my ankles um, as an assault for this person who was a non-family member married to my mom, but that's a non-blood relative, convinced that because it was the beach, you know, field trip the next day, and then we'd have to go to school the day after, I was asked if I had homework. And in my mind as a fourth grader, I didn't. I had a beach field trip. So um, all this to say, I went to school the next day with long, uh, excuse not school. I went to my beach field trip with long sleeves and long pants. And when people see me, people are not always connecting. Oh, but you look so glamorous. Oh, but you're fine. Oh, but you must have done something to deserve it. Oh, you know, you must be exaggerating because things like that don't happen. So I really want to um, invite those of you listening who may or may not have had something that substantial happen. Have that moment of pause um, and, you know, tackle some of these incredible books. I know um, Oprah Winfrey has a book called What Happened to You? I don't have it in front of me. Oh, I'm loving it. And, and the uh, gentleman's name is, is his, uh, remind me, Matthew? Dr. Bruce Perry. And he was actually on this podcast. Oh, my gosh. Dr. Bruce, we had to circle up. I'm, a, I'm such a big fan. So I'm loving circling up with um, Dr. Bruce and Oprah. I'm an audiobook fan. Uh, so sometimes I have weary eyes from staring at 50 tabs, but I love a good audiobook. And I really love um, how that book walks us through. So for those of you who may or may not have had this experience, I want to share a few things with you. One thing that I want to share is when you show up with an open heart and an open mind in a space of love, solidarity, you don't have to have gone through what I've gone through to support an incredible movement, to support your coworkers in being aware, and to really start to develop an awareness on how anything we consider a trauma, whether or not it happened in childhood, creates friction in the most relevant ways in our communities, our social groups, and in our important relationships. So I want to remind those of you, don't let it be squishy, just show up for us. Grab a cup of coffee or a glass of wine, your blanket, turn the lights down low, put the kids to bed, and just listen in. We're here to kind of circle up and share. It's it's not supposed to be um, something where we're creating all of this access so that we can keep perpetuating mental health stigma. Oh, it's squishy. Oh, you trauma-informed people. It's like, we're here for you. When you get divorced, yeah, come on over to our program you know, circle up with us and, and share what's happening in your heart. And maybe we can be here for each other. Well, and I'm glad you mentioned that it is Child Abuse uh, Prevention Month. And I would highly encourage anyone that listens to the podcast to go back and listen to um, our podcast with Melissa Merrick, who is the CEO of Prevent Child Abuse America. 
because in that conversation, Kashana, we dug into what you just said. When, when I grew up, there was a, there was this idea that children should be seen and not heard. And I think it still resonates in a lot of communities and a lot of uh, households today, right? Where um, we dehumanize kids and, and we don't validate when kids speak up that things did actually happen. And these are things that are continuing to be perpetuated today. But in that episode, we dug so deep into that topic that I learned at that point that there were laws that actually prevented the abuse of animals before there were laws that prevented the abuse of children. And so we are still in this growth area. And I also want to say what you said too, you know, we don't get to define what's traumatic to someone and trauma isn't the event that occurred. It's the response in which our bodies, brains have to the event that occurred. Right. And just because we might think something is traumatic, it might not be traumatic to someone else. And just because we think something isn't traumatic, it might be traumatic to someone else. And I think that plays a huge role in this. This isn't a, uh, a, 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 a sort of honor that people have experienced all of this trauma. To me, it makes me reflect on what are we doing as a society and culture when we know have the numbers now that the majority of people are experiencing trauma, it's an epidemic. We want to know why there's a, why back in the nineties, it was a war on drugs. And now we have an, a drug epidemic, right? We have to look at the sort the core of why all of these things are happening across our country. We act, we know now that trauma plays a major role and trauma is not the ACE study. Those 10 indicators are not what all trauma people experience. We know that. Even the expanded ACE study isn't the trauma everyone experiences because everyone has their own lived and life experiences and those, those networks of support and those people that can circle up with them in that time of need or not. And I think it's really important that people know we don't get to show up as trauma judges, um, because it's not our place in space, whether we are an educator or whether we are a therapist or whether we are a CEO. Um, we've talked a lot about trauma-informed workplaces. I, 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 I've heard it in even the end education. I don't understand why they're taking that off. Their dog died. Well, that's a huge deal in my family when our dog passed away for my own family. So we don't get to make these judgments. And then one more thing that I want to that I want to reiterate. I also I also love to caution people that semantics can be a major barrier to this work. I run a network called the Trauma Informed Educators Network. Most of you know because I've talked about it on here. It's thirty thousand educators, and we have people coming into this network that that are just coming in as an entry point, and they'll come in and say something, and people automatically attack them because they didn't use the right word or they didn't say the right thing. Instead of reaching out in a private message and saying, Hey, can we chat? Let me, let me, let me tell you what, what, um, how this, the use of this word, how it impacted me. Right. Sometimes we have to show up in that space where people are and not hold them to where we want them to be. So I think we have to be cautious of, of, of ourselves using shame as a driver. Um, when it comes to some situations and others, that we can't tolerate uh, some of the semantics. But uh, you were about to say something, and I know we only have a few minutes left, Kishana. 
Yes. Um, well, it sounds like that's a that's a perfect um, other podcast because you are on one chapter um, with a specific snapshot of equity. And I, as a black woman, am on a different chapter where I'm held accountable to say things in the moment. And if I don't, there's a whole other situationship happening. So um, that sounds like a podcast for another day. But I did want to lastly, um, just as we wrap up uh, speaking about um, Childhood Abuse uh, Awareness Month, is that it's very, very important to know that through the precious work that we do through the CRC and at Paces Connection, there, it's an important tool to support folks in keeping the love and also growing at the same time. You don't have to not love someone who was a harmer, but it is so much about caring for yourself, caring for your heart and decoupling the, the two things so that you can understand that healing can happen for you and you're not responsible for other people's uh, healing and wellness. So such a powerful conversation, Matthew. Thank you. Absolutely. And we, uh, we could, we'll definitely, uh, let's definitely figure out another time to have that, that, that podcast. Cause you know, we're always looking for great podcast ideas and that's definitely one of them. And I know Ingrid would love that. We've talked a lot about it on this podcast, but never really narrowed it down. So thank you all so much. Uh, please, if you're in your car, in your home, on a jog, wherever you are, listen to podcasts, give Kashana a huge welcome, uh, to Pace's connection. We have been um, excited to have her. She's come in and brought so many amazing ideas. I think she's already lit a fire that um, we're all just throwing some some uh, 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 some fuel on because we want to <laughs> grow her ideas because they really are transforming um, Pace's connection. And you're going to see a lot of that here in the coming weeks. And most definitely, if you join the Creating Resilient Communities, uh, which you can do at any point. Um, and um, we would love for you to. So thank you all for listening. As always, thank you for being here. Um, give Kashana a warm clap and welcome wherever you are in the world. She'll fill that in. Round of applause. <laughs> I don't need applause. I just want to circle up with y'all. I don't need applause. Find <laughs> us on LinkedIn. Chime in. Let us know your frequently asked questions about these topics. We really want to keep this going. We really want to hear your voices and we really want to learn about your story. Absolutely. So we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to the show today. We hope we have helped to give you a better understanding of trauma and how historical trauma affects the human experience. Join us every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. We wish you a beautiful week.